Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Amen. When I woke up this morning, it was my intent and plan to preach to you uh, the next message in our series from uh, 1 John, the third chapter, entitled, Love is the Evidence. But when I got on my knees this morning and I prayed, the Lord very quickly took me in another direction. And I love that about the Lord. That makes me pretty nervous when that happens on Sunday morning. But, but, but I love it when God does that and when he speaks to us. And we know where he's leading. We may feel unsure and insecure about it and even ill-prepared. But when we know God is leading, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. So what I want to do this morning is very simply give you some scripture on repentance. Scripture on repentance. And we'll begin by Roman, using Romans 2.4. If you'll open your Bibles to Romans 2.4. And I'll give you several more scriptures that we can look at on the subject of repentance. But I, I do want to tell you that... When I got on my knees, I had, and I don't, this doesn't happen to me often, but I had a real flash, uh, kind of a spiritual flash. And it wasn't a flash back, it was a flash forward. It wasn't seeing something in the past, it was seeing something in the future. And in this flash forward, I saw this altar filled with people who were repenting. Now, that may not come to pass this morning, but I believe that's in the future. I, I, I believe that's in the future of River of Life Church. I, I believe that repentance, true, deep, genuine uh, repentance will be a big part of the ministry of this church uh, in the days to come. Uh, Romans 2.4 says... Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? And he's talking about those who are delaying and not coming to repentance. And he says, don't you understand? Don't misinterpret God's uh, forbearance, his long-suffering nature. The fact that God has not brought judgment upon us doesn't mean that he will not bring judgment upon us is basically what it's saying. But it's that second phrase I want to focus on just for a moment. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Now, I want us to all be on the same page uh, as we talk about repentance this morning. The Greek word for repentance right here is the Greek word metanoia. And metanoia carries with it the idea of having knowledge 
the realization, the conviction, and even the guilt of things we've done and the way we've lived. Metanoia begins with the idea, as you understand this Greek word, it begins with the idea that you and I realize that we have fallen short of the grace of God, that we have not lived up to His high and holy standards. We catch a glimpse of who He is, and we see where we are, and we are convicted because we have fallen short of the glory of God. We've not lived up to His holy standards. And metanoia means that realizing that you have now come to the point in your life where you are ready to humbly bow down before a holy God and ask Him to forgive you, to ask Him to cleanse your heart. You're ready to ask Him to take away your sins and you are ready to turn away from anything and everything that displeases Him. Now, that's what true biblical repentance is. But I don't want you to miss this, and that is it says the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance is a good thing. It is an extremely good thing. The goodness of God leads us to that place. Every time you and I in our lives, every time from the first moment we repented and received Christ, if you're a Christian, from the first moment we repented, it was the goodness of God that led us to that place. Now, I'm fully aware that the church has developed and and I don't think any of us are immune to this, but the church has developed somewhat of a shallow concept and understanding of what repentance is. Lord, forgive me of all my sins because I got a real busy day and I need to get on the way. I, that's kind of we 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 understand a little bit of shallow repentance. But here's what I want you to understand, and that is that every time you've ever truly gone into a season of repentance where there's been a purging and a cleansing of your heart, where the burden of sins have been lifted, where the refreshing presence of the Lord came into your life, every time you've ever had one of those experiences where you've cried out to God and He has truly forgiven you, washed you, lifted the load of sin and shame and guilt off of you, every time that has happened, it was the goodness of God that led you to that place. It was God getting involved in your life and God doing a good thing. Every time in this church we have a time of repentance and people truly repent in brokenness, they repent before the Lord. That means that the good hand of God is all over this service. That God is in the house. God wants us to know that it is His goodness. It's the reason it's placed in the Bible. He wants us to know that it is His goodness that leads us to repentance. So I want you to understand, sometimes we have a negative concept of repentance. Repentance is a good thing that comes from a good God that leads us to a good place in our lives. And friends, listen to me. The last thing you ever want to do 
is resist when the goodness of God is leading you to repentance. Man, you don't want to do that. Man, the moment your heart is tendered, the moment your heart is broken, the moment shame or guilt uh, comes upon you, and, and there is a, a, a godly part of this. I'm not saying the enemy can't do that to you, but if, if you're really trying to serve the Lord, the moment that comes upon you, don't resist that. Understand that it is the goodness of God who's trying to lead you to a better place, a good place. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Now, the next verse I want to share with you uh, is Acts 3.19. You've heard me quote this many times. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You see, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, and when God leads us to that place, there's some wonderful and awesome rewards that come to us. Good things happen to us. Uh, amazing things happen. And I started with this one because I think this is the most appropriate place to start as we think about the blessings of repentance. Repent, therefore, and be converted. You see, repentance has to take place before we're born again, before we can come into the kingdom of God. You have to repent before conversion. And when you do, your sins are blotted out. And then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Is there anybody here who needs a season of refreshing today? The presence of God. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I was at the gas station this past week. I saw a man I have not seen in a while. And I, I was kind of shocked at the way he greeted me. When he walked past me, and he called me by name, and this is what he said. He said, and you'll have to help me out. You'll have to use your mind just a little bit. He said, how in the blank are you doing these days? And he didn't say blank. How in the blank are you doing these days? And it, it just kind of kind of shocked me. And I, I'm serious when I tell you this. I believe a Holy Ghost boldness came on me right at that moment. And, and, and it happened in a millisecond. And we said, how in the blank are you doing these days? I looked at him and I said, no, no, no. It's how in heaven are you doing these days? Because that's where I'm living right now. Now, now I, I'm glad he was not offended because I shocked him as much as he shocked me. And, and he kind of looked at me and he, he laughed. And so help me, this is exactly what he said. He said, okay, how in heaven are you doing? And I said, that's better. And I'm doing better than I deserve because God is good. And I want you to know that when that man walked away, he was laughing and shaking his head. And, and I hope it's still ringing in his head. But friends, I want to tell you that when we believe God's Word, 
we don't just read it, we actually believe it, that there is something that we can do that will take us from where we are to a place of the spiritual refreshing presence of a holy God. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Oh, I want to tell you, friends. Now, I'm not talking about every day's fruit basket turnover and every day's a picnic and every day's wonderful and, and every day you get everything you want, but I am talking about people who live in a sinful, dark, fallen, desperate, decaying, dying world who have found something that's greater than this world and the holy presence of a holy God is continually refreshing us and we're living in the presence of the Lord. Oh, friends. If you are practicing repentance in your life, you're living closer to heaven than you are hell. Yes, you are. If you're really practicing genuine repentance. By the way, before I move on, I feel compelled to ask you this. So, River of Life, how in heaven are you doing? That's what I thought. Wow. All right, here's a good one. Uh, you, you can't talk about repentance without using this scripture, Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. By the way, when you read the word turn in the scriptures, it's real close to the word metanoia, and, and it's the idea of turning away, repenting, doing an about face, doing a U-turn, going in the other direction. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn or repent from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You're talking about blessings being connected to repentance. Wow, I will hear from heaven. Do you want God to hear your prayers? I will forgive their sins. Do you want God to forgive your sins? Did you know according to the holy standard of God, God cannot forgive your sins if you do not repent? You have to ask Him. He will do it. If you ask him, but he will not violate this sacred, holy principle. I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. Do, do you understand what that means? Most of us don't. I'll heal their land. What, what, what does that mean? Well, friends, in an agrarian society where everything was about farming and crops and produce, in an agrarian society... When God says, I will heal your land, that means that I will bless every facet of your life. <laughs> you see, when God heals your land, when God blesses your land, your children dress better. When God blesses your land, there's food on the table. When God blesses your land, you can build a home and build a heritage. When God blesses your land, there's fruit basket turnover. When God blesses your land, you have more than enough and you can give and share and help. When God blesses your land, you are not begging, you are helping those who are begging. 
When God blesses you, He touches and impacts every part of your life when He blesses your land. Anybody here today with a show of hands would say, I need God to bless my land. I need Him to heal my land. Wow! Man, that's what we need. We need God to to heal our land. And when God heals our land, He touches every facet of who we are and what belongs to us. Now, if you go back and read this in context, this was part of the dedication of the temple and the altar of God and the holy place where people were to pray. And I fully believe that this was given to the nation. But if you go back and read it carefully, it was also talking about anyone, any individual who would come to that place and pray and do what God says do, that God would hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Friends, with all of my heart, I want America to do this. With all of my heart, I want America to obey Second Chronicles 7.14. But I tell you, child of God, we cannot wait for America to do it. We need to do it individually. You and I need to start doing it. And when we do it, amazing and wonderful things will happen. I want to skip to First uh, John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the Bible says that if we will just confess, if we will acknowledge metanoia, if we'll know and, and realize and, and have our eyes open to knowing what's going on And if we will confess our sins, repent of our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you something. This is amazing. But I've had little children. I'm talking about five years old, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, ten years old. I've had little children to walk forward in church. I've seen it in vacation Bible school. I've seen it in church. I've led a lot of children to the Lord. And one of the things, and even though I understand salvation is not based on feelings, I know that sometimes it is an indicator. It tells us what has actually happened. And I've asked children. For 40 years I've done this. I've asked children after they'd prayed to receive Christ, how do you feel? How do you feel right now? Man, some of the sweetest answers I've ever received. I've had them say, I feel clean all inside. I feel like God just bathed me on the inside. Uh, I, I, I've, I've had this happen. This blows my mind. I have, I've had this happen. I've had children to say, I just feel like a big old weight has just been lifted off of me. Come on, you're six years old. What have you done? What have you done that's caused such a weight? upon you at six years old that when you get saved, you feel like the weight is lifted. And I've come to the conclusion, this is what the conclusion I've come to. I've come to the conclusion that the six-year-old is telling the truth and we have become immune to the heavy, heavy, heavy weight that builds up on us through the years and most of us are walking under this heavy, heavy load that's almost un. If we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, say it, all unrighteousness. He lifts it off of us. What an amazing promise. Um, I, I have so many scriptures that I put in my notes, um, and I started deleting them this morning uh, after I started running these down, and I'm still deleting a couple of these. But let's talk about repentance on another level. What do you think Jesus would say? If he were here and we were to ask him about all the school shootings, if we were to ask about the mass murders, the, the tragedies that are going on, what if Jesus were here and we could ask him about what just happened this past week? What would he say? Well, I've got some news for you. We know exactly what he would say. You know why? Because when there was mass killings in his day, they went to Jesus and asked him. And he replied. He told them. Do I have your attention? You want to know what Jesus has to say about mass killings? Unfair, unnatural, mass killings? He addresses it in Scripture. Here it is, Luke 13, 1 through 5. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Do you understand what that means? Mingled with their sacrifices? They were coming to worship. They were coming to sacrifice before a holy God. They were coming to pay tribute. <clears throat> they were coming to honor God. And when they came to worship, for some reason, I, I've searched the commentaries. Nobody has any idea why. But for some reason, Pilate had a whole group of people killed. And he mingled their blood with their very sacrifice. I'm glad they asked Jesus, aren't you? So they asked him about it. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans? In other words, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll jump to the conclusion that when bad things happen to people, it's because they're bad people. They must not be doing something right, and that is not the case. He said, Do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You see, friends, the difference between perishing and prospering, and I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel, I, I'm, I'm not even going there. But the difference between perishing in this life and prospering with the presence of God, the only thing that separates perishing and prospering is repentance. And by the way, repentance doesn't guarantee you anything in this life. You might repent of your sins in the deepest sense that you've ever repented, have all the sins you've ever committed lifted off of you, and you may be the victim of a violent crime this afternoon. That's not what this is talking about. 
Jesus is letting them know that it really doesn't matter whether you're killed by Pilate, a tower falls on you, or you die in your old age. If you haven't repented, you're in trouble. You've got to repent. You've got to ask God to forgive you. And he says, except you repent, you'll also likewise perish. Some of you may need this one. This is Ezekiel 18, 21, and 22. But if a wicked man turns from all of his sins, which he has committed, keeps all of my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. This is a verse you're going to want to mark in your Bible. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. None I love that. Of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Friends, I want to tell you, real repentance. I'm not talking about shallow repentance. I'm not talking about just going through the motions of repentance. But when you really and truly repent of your sins, it's all blotted out. It's all gone. (laughs) They will not be remembered. The next time the enemy gets in your face and reminds you of something horrible that you did a long time ago, just remind the enemy, God doesn't even remember that. He doesn't even remember that. Now, if you think I'm exaggerating here, there are other places in the Bible that says that when we repent, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. And another passage of Scripture says that he buries our sins in the depths of the sea. In the deepest parts of the sea. And friends, with our technology today, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do the depths of the sea. I like that. He buries our sins. He moves them. All your sins. Two more Scriptures. Acts 2.38 Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's all kinds of speculations. Many theologians say this is synonymous with salvation. Some say it's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I got news for you. Uh, For a little while, throw away your theology, and let's just say this. When you really repent of your sins, when you really repent of your sins, God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It may be the gift of the Holy Spirit in salvation. It may be the gift of the Holy Spirit in renewal. It may be the gift of the Holy Spirit in the refreshing presence of the Lord. It may be the gift of the Holy Spirit in a a, a baptism uh, experience. It may be some great um, uh, celebration of your faith, but God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, here you are. Think about this. Here you are in shame and in guilt and regret over something in the past. And he says, if you repent, if you repent, not only is that removed, but God wants to give you the gift of his very presence, his very anointing, the Holy Spirit. And one last thing, one last verse. Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Cover your sins, you will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I heard the story about um, 
It's an old story about Napoleon, and he sentenced a man to death and a young soldier to death. And the story goes that the boy's mother appeared before Napoleon. And this is what she said. She said, I beg for mercy for my son. And Napoleon said to her, Your son does not deserve mercy. And a very wise and loving mother said, If he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. And the story goes that Napoleon pardoned him on the words of his mother. All friends, mercy. (laughs) Mercy is receiving what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Every now and then I run into somebody and I'm just shocked. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I mean, it's not often, but I hear people say, I just want what's coming to me. Now, that's a good time to take about five steps backward. (laughs) Because lightning just might strike. No. No, I don't want what's coming to me. I don't want what I deserve. I don't not want what I've earned. I don't want my wages. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't want what is coming to me. I don't want what I deserve. I want what I don't deserve. I want the mercy of God. He he that covers his sins will not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes his sins will have mercy. Friends, the Bible is filled with these repentance. I want to ask you a question. Have you truly repented? How long has it been since you've repented? Are you practicing repentance? If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then this morning I want to ask you, as the Holy Spirit leads you, to meet me here at the front. And let me lead you in a prayer of repentance, where you really repent. And if you are a child of God, and it's been a while since you've gone into deep repentance and the Holy Spirit is leading you, then once you find your place at this altar and give before the Lord and, and repent. And, and I, I've got news for you. I think that we should practice. It should be a lifestyle of repentance. Don't say, well, if I walk down and get on my knees at the altar, somebody's going to think I've done something bad. Somebody's going to think I'm a sinner. Friends, we already know you're a sinner. We already know that. We know that about you. We know that about the staff. We know that about all of us. We're all sinners. We all have feet of clay. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. The question is, are we willing to humble ourselves before God? Let him cleanse our sins. Would you bow with me, please? Heaven. Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. 
you can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.